know, my mother used to say, long time ago, she would say, always look for the helpers. There will always be helpers. Because if you look for the helpers, you'll know that there's hope. You've reached The Helpline, a podcast about listening to you. Here to listen, here to help. Here's your host, Hans Anime. Welcome to The Helpline. Before I get into the writings, I want to share just one thing about the spirit of this show. I think the most important reason for a show like this is to remind people that there is always help out there. On this show, you'll hear from some wonderful and amazing people who can and do help. Many of them are my friends from a variety of fields, doctors, therapists, coaches, even CPAs. Every episode, we weigh in on what you've sent or emailed to provide perspective or knowledge that can help you toward resolution. It all depends on you and what kind of help you need. Now, this isn't therapy. It's more like education, advice even. These lives we lead and the problems we face feel unique to us. But what you might be surprised to hear is that someone somewhere has gone through what you've gone through before, and they're not as far off as they may seem. The internet and technology has made that apparent. A major part of why the Helpline podcast exists is because I think there's this idea out there that prevents us from asking for help, that you should be able to do it by yourself, and if you don't, or if you can't, then something's wrong with you. But that couldn't be further from the truth. We all need help, whether it's finances or marriages or career advice. You know, we all need help in a variety of ways. Sometimes we want something or we strive for something so badly only to find that there's emptiness on the other side when we finally get it. Or we find that it's not as fulfilling as we thought it might be. Sometimes we say we value something, but then we do the exact opposite. We procrastinate, we stall, we sabotage ourselves. And that's because navigating what you want out of life can be confusing and overwhelming, especially with all of the unexpected events that life brings. The pandemic has certainly changed our lives in countless ways. I mean, now when I see people wearing masks everywhere, I think to myself, you know, we're just all trying to survive. We're just trying to figure it out. And yet, in other ways, the pandemic hasn't changed some things at all. You're still going to win some. You're still going to lose some. There's going to be pain. There's going to be suffering in life. But there's also going to be joy and plenty of fond memories. Sometimes I think of life like it's a bus ride. When someone is born, they get on. And when someone leaves the earth, they get off. What matters most is not where you got on or when or where you get off. Or how many material possessions you were able to accumulate on your journey. I think what matters most are the people you touched, the people you talked to. In essence, it's the friends you met and the ones you loved along the way. To be heard, to be listened to, and to be helped is the point of this episode and every episode. You know, the most successful and greatest of all time type people, they all have coaches, experts, and therapists in their back pocket. Think of the helpline like that. A group of tiny folks in your back pocket, ready to help or assist or give some advice, or at least some perspective. So I implore you to seek help, and when you can, return the favor. A lot of the times, you're the help that someone might need. So join us. Look for the helpers. Be a helper. Because just like Grandma Rogers used to say, when you look for the helpers, you'll know that there's hope. Hey, Hans. Hey, Em. 
How goes all this for you? You know, staying busy at home. Just taking it one day at a time. <laughs> I know the feeling. Can we start from the top? Maybe the first two? Yeah, I'd be happy to. This is Anonymous from Montclair, California. Anonymous writes, Hey Hans, I live with my partner and her three kids. On a good day, the relationship with the oldest is strained. But since quarantine, I'm hitting my limits. These aren't my kids and my partner's parenting style is very permissive. How do I cope when I can't interject? Thanks for writing in, Anonymous. You ask, how do you cope? The simple answer, simple not easy. The simple answer is self-care, self-care, self-care. That's a theme that's going to come up a lot because people do it so poorly. We just don't make enough time and space for the thoughts and feelings that we have. And so we tend to carry them around, unresolved, and they pick at us and they make the stress worse or they, they allow the stress to sort of fester. And so that's just over the top, 30,000 foot view, self-care is really important for any type of stress. With that being said, I couldn't help but hear that you said, these aren't my kids. Now, I guess while that's technically accurate, and I'm assuming that they're not biologically your children, just be aware that that's something that kids can feel. If that's a thought that's at the top of your consciousness, it could be a sign of a lot of different things, not just stress. It could be a sign that potentially you might treat the kids differently if they were biologically yours. It could be a way of blaming their biological but absent parent, that this is a way they're acting this way because they're not my kids, as if your own biological children would never act this way. I think it's important to realize that people and children react to the circumstances that they're in. And that a lot of the times, even when we can't understand what they're doing, there's an underlying emotional logic as to why they're behaving the way they're behaving. Which means that there's some unresolved, unmet need. And that will exist whether they're your biological kids or not. That exists for coworkers and grandparents. I mean, that exists for everyone. Those are the rules of being a human. Does that make sense? Because the subtext is that something is wrong with the kids, or the oldest um, in particular, right? Something is wrong with them, or something is wrong, or, or potentially it's my partner's submissive style, that's why they're acting this way. Or it's the absent biological parent, it's their fault, that's why they're acting this way. And I'm not denying that there's an influence there. I'm not denying that there's a contribution there, but that's just not particularly helpful. And it's a convenient way of saying, it's not my fault, and the first cousin of not my fault is it's not my responsibility either. I'm sure you've probably never said that out loud, but that's the kind of statement that can manifest itself in different ways that you may be unaware. And if emotional connection and attachment is what you're looking to create with the children, then you don't want to, unbeknownst to yourself, create emotional distance. Now, if your partner is not laying down the law, I say follow her lead, at least for now, while we build a foundation of trust. But at this point, if she's not interjecting, why should you? I mean, you wrote yourself that you're hitting your limits. And so that's a sign that you might be trying to exert control in a situation where whether it's warranted or not isn't the issue. It's just not working. And what's worse is that you're potentially trying to do it by yourself. There's going to have to be a direct and honest communication with your partner about what you fear. What do you think is going to happen? What's going wrong with the children that is being unaddressed? And how should you both address it together? That's one of the major keys, because it sounds like this is less about your partner's style and even less about the children's behavior. It's about you learning how to morph into the family, how to love these kids appropriately, and how to create a relationship that will be fruitful. How do these children need to be loved by you? 
if your relationship with your partner is going to last, you figuring out how to connect with them is going to be really important. Anything else creates a civil war, some emotional carnage that will just create a miserable future. And that's not to say that your style or your habits or your behaviors or what you know to be true is not valuable. It's just that their emotional well-being and their psychological safety comes first to that. If you can create that foundation, then a relationship can grow and be fruitful on top of that. And you might hear me say this a lot. It's important for you to love and cherish where the kids are today and not who you wish and where you want them to be in the future. Because if we miss the present for the past or we miss the present for the future, then we we screw up both the present and the future and we don't want to do that. That's for you and your partner to work on together. Thanks for writing in Anonymous. Frustrated from Salt Lake City writes, Hey Hans, my husband will interfere during conversations I'm having with my kids. Oftentimes when my kids come to ask me a question, my husband will jump in before I can say a word. Other times he will walk into the room and demand to know what's going on. I've talked to him about it before, but after a week it comes back. Hi, frustrated. So your husband has an annoying habit that's hard to break. But now that you've made it clear that this is something that bothers you, now it can be valuable for you to create an alternative of what you'd like for him to do, a specific way you'd like for him to engage when the kids approach you first. The rules of engagement, so to speak. And assuming that when you write my kids, that he has just as much right to speak to your kids as you do, you might be halfway there. I mean, if he's asking what's going on when he enters a room, it's officially a question and an opportunity for you to respond with, now's not the time, honey, or this is a private conversation, or any way that you would normally ask him to sort of stay out of it for now, because what you're talking to with your child is sanctioned off, right? And it's also important to consider what's the positive intention behind his behavior. You know, in movies where there's the big bad guy, well, the big bad guy, as awful and horrible as he is, he usually has some sort of positive intent that is his rational defense for doing what he's doing. Now, I'm not saying that that makes what he's doing right, But I am saying that if we think about what your husband is intending to do, then that might help us sort of understand the heart of his issue. I mean, it's impossible to know what's inside of his head before you actually have a good sit down and talk with him about it. Sometimes these problems arise and fester. That's the word of the day. Because we don't handle them directly. What I mean by that is there's an offense, but it gets sort of swept under the rug and then it just grows and grows and grows and grows. But the concomitant attention to it doesn't grow. It's like anything. It's like something swelling, but you're just sort of ignoring it and hoping it goes away. And so I think in this situation, if you're clear with what you'd like him to do, if you're clear about how this bothers you or how you're you're offended, then that's something that you guys should talk about, frankly, so that you can come to a resolution together. And let's understand something about human behavior. There are very strong threads that sustain our human behaviors. It'll probably take longer than a week to unravel because it probably took longer than a week for him to learn this behavior in the first place. We could wax on about why this behavior exists. Maybe this is how he spoke when he grew up. Maybe to get a word in edgewise, he had to butt in. There's all sorts of reasons. Obviously, this could be about boundaries and personal respect, but you guys have a relationship and you have history. And so something in the water has caused this or has allowed this to exist between the two of you. And so changing it now means that you have to create either new language around it or new signals, right? So that you're both clear on his boundary crossing as it happens. What it could mean is just a soft signal that you two share if the rules are broken again. Consider this like training. You both have to train a new habit so that the old behavior dies and the new behavior flourishes. For his part, he'll need to afford the time and take what you're intimating to him seriously. 
often when you're dealing with a difficult partner or spouse, you need to ask yourself, are they willing to change? And then are they able? Because if they're willing, but not able, well, maybe in time they can become able. But if they're not willing, it doesn't matter if they're able or not. And so there is work for him to do as well. It's hard to cooperate with someone who isn't being cooperative, but hopefully with some dedicated time, it won't be too difficult to meet each other halfway. Parenting as a couple, like you would imagine, is a partnership. And just like dance partners, there's a give and take on the dance floor. The music is going to change from fast and furious to slow and loving, but the dance and work and cooperate together is really the goal. The way to do it beautifully and gracefully is to sort of mutually yield to one another when the situation calls for it. Thanks for writing in. Thank you for listening, and thanks to all of those that wrote in. And if you'd like to add your perspective on the comments made today, share your thoughts on the blog at thehelplinepodcast.com.